0: listening to The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. Greetings, I am your host, back from a long hiatus, Timothy Kinnaman. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, we have new equipment, uh, it took a lot longer to set up than normal, uh, but it's good to be back. I'm excited to record a summer's worth of podcast episodes and the biggest delight is that I am not alone I am joined by a whole cast and crew of the, the good fight podcast. So uh, a cacophony of voices here. Let's go Woo-hoo. Yay. <laughs> There we go. It's so exciting It's good to be back and um, you already know a lot about me if you've listened listened to the podcast So I will pass it along to the other person. You know a lot about Grace Alita.
1: Hello. Hello Wonderful to be back once again I don't know if this counts as our third season or not, but if it does, this is exciting. Either way, it's functionally our third section. Um, Yeah, you also know me already. Also a sophomore. Tim didn't really say that about him in case you didn't already know that. Um, I'll introduce him. He is studying. Wait, I have to think about this. He is studying um, classics. He's a classics major, and I don't believe he has a minor or a concentration. No,
0: I have a double major.
1: He has a double major in classics and political science, um, which is very exciting. Yes, I'm Grace Alita. I am also not a full double major, a partial double major in economics and math. And I will pass it on to the lovely Tina.
2: Good morning, or good afternoon, good time. I'm (laughs) Tina. I am a first year at Columbia. I was at Columbia College, but now I have transferred to C's and I will be studying biomedical engineering. I am an ambiguous pre-med like many of you guys out there. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like to be a double major, but unfortunately that doesn't happen in C's. If if I was, if I were a double major, I would like to do linguistics. Mm. I am also from Shanghai, China, and I'm currently in New York City, which is really nice.
0: And uh, Tina, for those of you who don't know, has been a wonderful audio editor. So she uh, has done most of the, the editing for our episodes up until now, and hopefully we'll continue to do that.
2: And right now, the audio quality will definitely be better because we have very fancy microphones. Indeed. And I will popcorn it to Faven.
3: Hello, this is Faven. I am a rising senior at Barnard College, majoring in political science and minoring in history. Um, and I have been doing the research for the Good Fight podcast, and I have also been posting um, our content on social media, like Instagram and Facebook, and I've been enjoying it. And I'm I'm glad to be part of the podcast and for you guys to hear my voice
1: and my opinions and my thoughts. Directly instead of... Uh... Yes. Through through us as a conduit.
0: Yeah, I think we yes. we cited a lot. You would always write the summary at the bottom of the notes, right? Mm-hmm. And we, Grace Lita and I would always quote straight from like, that.
1: As Faven wrote.
0: Right. So <laughs> like you, you've you been in there. Don't worry about so it. So
1: now she gets to actually say the words herself, Indeed. which is yes. so cool. So
3: you already know me.
1: I will pass it on to my girl, Didi.
4: Hi, I'm Didi. Um, so... I studied information science and contemporary society at Columbia College and well I just graduated except for having to do some courses in the summer which is like you walk and then it's like but no you don't have the degree yet so yeah (laughs) Um, and yeah I did social media with Faven and that's been really really fun so I'm looking forward to doing this this summer reading more because I feel like I'm, like, the slowest reader probably out of this entire group, so no, upping that would be great. Um, <laughs> Faven disagrees, <and> yeah. apparently. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. It's cool to have the gang together here all in one room. This is our first – I think this is our first time all together. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, no, it
1: for sure is, yeah.
0: So that's pretty cool. We've Like been, in person. Right. We've mm-hmm. been limited to Zoom for a while now. Um, we're also joined by Bethel. He doesn't have a (laughs) mic, so he he won't pick up on anything, but it's great to have him here. Um, I hope he enjoys our conversation.
1: He's the silent observer.
0: Hopefully he gives some good feedback at the end. Anyway, I want to announce, as Grace Alita and I alluded to in the last episode we released, which was, what, a month ago now?
1: Yeah, thereabouts, just before finals. So just in finals.
0: Yeah, a month ago, um, we gave you the insight of what our summer would look like. And so, true to our word, we will be reading some books.
1: It's coming to fruition. The time has come.
0: So, Mm -hmm. drum roll, please.
4: I was like, do we actually do this? Uh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I don't know if it'll pick up or not. Our first book, which may be the only book we do for summer, eh? we haven't decided yet is the well-known C.S. Lewis's The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. Yes. <laughs> so I'm excited to read it. I haven't Classic. read it in years. Same. I think, Faven, you probably read it. read
1: it the most recently, right? Yes.
3: Yes. It was me. And I liked it. And I've never read it. Yeah. Wow. But I've watched
4: the movie, and which, that was nice. which one
1: did you watch? Do you know? Like the BBC version or the, I don't know who the other one was i just remember there was
4: winter which is all of them and then there's like a wardrobe like where i remember like where they like opened the wardrobe and all of that but I don't did remember. it look
1: like did the lion look real ish mm. was it like cgi lion, like a good cgi lion i don't remember the lion to be honest <laughs> that is a shame did you I watch was it on disney plus no i was trying to guess which one you which one you watched like which, which one
4: is better which one should i have watched
1: the bbc one i think is more like like is more um original to the book but the is it disney did they just buy it or did they make it
0: i don't think they made it or they bought it okay I think now they, disney it was fox wasn't it
1: it may have been i don't remember disney bought fox oh that would make sense okay wow. so um the now disney one yeah is better is i mean it's just more recent so it's like nicer quality and what about you tina did you read the books
2: i read it i read it a really long time ago and like didi basically what i remember is walking into a wardrobe and walking out into a winter forest <laughs> hmm. and wow. i remember the ice queen handing out very good snacks
3: turkish delight
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: maybe maybe deceptive <laughs> Maybe we'll have to get some Turkish delight for next week. Yeah, let's do it. Wait, what is
4: that? I feel like left off because I don't know.
0: I have no idea. I have not tasted it either. It's a British Mm. thing. So Let me Google it. No resident Britons in the room?
2: No. I assumed it was Turkish. I lived in
4: England for like a month or so in my life.
0: So you should know.
4: But I don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a family of confections based on a gel of starch and sugar. Premium varieties consist largely of chopped dates, pistachios, hazelnuts, or walnuts, bounded by the gel. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That
2: sounds really good. So, it sounds I fancy. Know.
1: It looks fancy. Wow. We should. These might be out of our price range, but we should definitely <laughs> get some.
2: I feel like there are some affordable ones. I saw some at Brighton Beach. Ooh, mm.
1: Nice, because the, literally the first ones that popped up are ninety nine dollars.
2: Oh, oh. For, for, for how much? No. Um, a mm-hmm.
1: uh, one thousand one hundred grams of Turkish delights. I don't know. That's what one that tells kilogram. You. Which one kilo of Turkish lot. delights for ninety nine dollars.
0: Hmm. I think we should also turn the door into a a wardrobe, and then when we walk in, it's like wintery in here too. That,
4: that might, might be, be a cool. lot of work. Yeah, but it sounds like a lot of effort. Are you a carpenter,
2: per chance?
0: We can just find one.
2: But they aren't even going to see it.
0: It's all for the effect. That way it feels real to us.
2: Okay, but okay. do we have
1: to like not have heating also? Do we have to like put... <laughs> <laughs> but it will be Make summer it super and cold.
0: Warm. Oh, We'll talk about that later. Okay. For now, though, I have a really important question to ask all of you guys. As in the people with me, not the listeners. Um, what... And not Bethel. <laughs> Bethel, we can talk afterwards. <laughs> um sorry uh, just a precursor to the question uh for those who don't know c.s lewis uh wrote the chronicles of narnia with kind of a christian perspective right so there's a lot of imagery that we can pull out of those um so my question is why as christians do we read fiction
1: Starting off strong.
0: Yeah.
2: But I feel like this question isn't only targeted as Christians. I feel like as Christians, the reason we, we, we read fiction is not different from why anyone would read fiction. I agree. Okay. Yeah.
0: What about um, specifically fiction with a Christian perspective? Then.
1: Well, I think it reveals certain things to us that we wouldn't otherwise understand. Um, I think it's very similar to why like Jesus uses parables um, in the New Testament, right? Because there are certain things that he would say that would be hard to understand, even for modern readers, it can be complex or confusing. Um, And then his disciples are like, yo, my friend, like what, what in the world are you talking about? And Jesus uses a parable to explain, which is a a, a form of fiction. Um, And so I think a lot of our readings of fiction nowadays are very similar in terms of there is something that we can under understand or experience that like we wouldn't experience in real life.
4: I agree with that.
1: And I think it goes back to just like,
4: you know, we all learn in different ways. And so I think being able to visualize, you know, things from the Bible or just um, like fictional stuff with a Christian perspective, it's like it solidifies a lot of things we're reading in the Bible or, um or things we're hearing about God or Jesus that, we just haven't been able to grasp like concretely. And I think for me, like when I watch fiction or read fiction, it's just like, it's an experience where it's like, I'm getting to sort of like, merge all these ideas I have running in my head with like something um, concrete and like, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes. Um, I completely agree with both of you. I think we're just naturally creative human beings, because God is so creative. And like, he allows us to explore our creativity um with his word um and you can that's why we have worship music and you know literature and um and I think fiction writers are just so good at kind of applying the characteristics of God in different situations so we might have like a a a deeper or just a a newer way of seeing how God would deal with different situations. I'm reading this book, for example, right now called "redeeming Redeeming Love." Um, I forgot the author's name, but it's so beautiful, extremely sad, very poignant. Um, but it's about um, this man. He's a Christian, and God tells him to seek after a prostitute. It's 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 supposed to be like a rendition of Hosea, um, but to show her that there is like redemption and that she runs away s- several times but as angry as he is he chases her and uh, wants her to have a good life to know that there is goodness in this world and um for me as i was reading that it showed me like what the heart of god really mm-hmm. is like i still read the bible and i know god is um a pursuer and he he loves mm-hmm. deeply and he never gives up but to to see that in in the story of this man of this godly man pursuing this fallen woman um, and how she is being how she's able to be redeemed because of his love that ultimately comes from God shows me now, like, how deep the love of God is, even to the person that society considers just like trash and un- unredeemable.
0: I have another question then, what it, and it seems like this this has been answered to some degree at least, but what I mean. We could just read the fact, right? The fact of the matter. And that would be nonfiction, right? So we can read the the fact of the matter is that God is a seeker, right? Um, what is different about reading it from a, from a, fi- a fictional perspective? Um, and what more do we get out of it from reading the story as opposed to just reading the fact? These yeah. are really deep questions. Well, this actually
1: story. reminds me of a book I'm currently reading. Uh, I'm not done with it, so I'm going to butcher maybe the ending, but I will loop back to you next week and let you know if this is, in fact, how he ends it. But it's called The Other Half of Church, and it's written by, oh, I'm going to forget their names, but one of them is, he calls himself himself a neurotheologian. Ooh, ah, what is that? <laughs> um, long story short, what it is, is like the interplay between um, neurology and theology is this the
0: book your mom sent you while we were in kentucky
1: yes this is the book my mother sent me and i'm finally reading it um and the part that he was talking about in like just the part that i just finished reading about the church was basically the way that we practice discipleship and looking at how yes um, learning doctrine is really important. It's very important to like have these truths instilled within you. It's also very important to, um, like study the word and the Bible in the way that we do, like, these are very important things. But a lot of times what the church ends up lacking is kind of relating to, um, like, or yeah, using just the complex nature of how God has created our brains and, um, like using the more relationship um, side, feeling side it like part of of the brain and the way that we can build connections that way, and this reminds me, um, or this book reminds me of this or answers this question, I think in part, um, because I think there's this idea of within fiction, fiction like you are experiencing it as a reader. Mm-hmm. I think this is why maybe not all of you, but hopefully at least some of you have cried to a nonfiction or a fiction book before. Faven is nodding her head. So is Tina.
0: That's a question we should ask. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Dee Dee what, and what?
1: Tim are like, I've never no, cried.
0: That is not true. That is not true. <laughs>
1: for, mo- for, for shows,
4: not books. What?
1: Not- I, oh my gosh, I've cried for books all the time.
0: Yes. I cried at the end of one book.
1: What is that? <gasps> Which
3: one?
0: It was The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood and it's because Aww. he gets betrayed by his relative and he dies.
3: Judas.
1: But look, you like you ex- you felt yourself uh, yeah. in that, right? Your emotions were tied. Yeah. And I think there's a way that we can learn from that more emotional side of us as human yes. beings yeah. that we can't do if we just read God loves you. Jesus yeah. is sovereign. Like the Trinity exists. Like those are all important things to know but they're not the only way we can experience God and I think fiction gets at that other part of how we experience God and relationship with other that like allows us to grow. I don't know what other people think.
2: I think of sorry. I think I've heard something very similar um and so I'll loop back to emotions and how emotions are are internal, but I heard someone ask before so why do we memorize bible verses and answer from a pastor was we memorize bible verses because we can internalize them and by internalizing them they become part of yourself so you actually manifest the verse and you live it out uh so that would be like memorizing pure fact you have to memorize it like memorizing biology mitochondria is powerhouse of the cell yeah but with emotions, that's already something internal. So when you read fiction, you have an emotional reaction immediately that becomes internal and it manifests within you and you can already live it out. Um, And this leads me to a sort of tangentially related point. When we have a fact, it seems very bare bones, but there can be so many different applications of fact and you can't factually list all the applications of fact because some of them might not yet exist. They have to be imagined, but fiction can accomplish those imaginations of application. And you can see how the how fat can play out in all these different quote uni, quote unquote universes.
1: I like that point. I think it's good.
0: I also have to say this is completely unrelated. But there is a poll directly between me and Tina. And so every time I look at her, I can only see, like, half of her face. Same. We're going to have to adjust next week, but yeah. I thought I would put that out there.
4: <laughs> I guess along those lines, Tina, I feel like, yeah, I think when you when you read things versus just knowing it, it's, like, it becomes a lot more real to you. You know, it's, like, we can learn, like, oh, sine is equal to opposite over hypotenuse or something, but when you actually know, like, what is behind this math when you actually know like the theory behind it like then it's like okay I know what I'm doing versus I'm just like I'm just saying it. I'm just writing it you know and so I think it's even the same way with God with the Bible it's like I can say I know that God loves me but like I don't I can also like not actually know what it means for God to love me like how mm-hmm. is his love and all that stuff and so when I'm reading it I'm forced to like actually create these mm-hmm. stories in my mind and imagine it it's like It becomes more real and then it's like Jesus said, it's like then the word settles in your heart and no one can take it away. And so I think that it's a way for us to sort of like fight to get to that point where it's like we have it sunk in our heart so that no one can take it away.
0: I always point to um, on that distinction, Didi, I always like to point to knowledge versus understanding, right? It seems like you can very easily gain knowledge or understanding from nonfiction, right? It's a little harder, I think, to get the understanding, though. It's very easy to get the knowledge, right? It's a fact. You know, it is a fact of the matter, that X. But when you read fiction, I think it's much better, and I mean, this is just building on what all of you said, really, at giving you a sense of the understanding mm-hmm. of what something is actually doing, of what it actually means for it to be true, as opposed that it is true. Um, so that's what my take is, but... Uh, Anyone else?
4: I think that sums it up. favor you go.
3: <laughs> yeah, I no, I like everything you 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 guys have said, and just to go back to Grace Alita's point, um, fiction is such a great way for you to develop emotionally. Like emotional development is such is such an important thing, and fiction allows you to step into another person's shoes and to empathize with them, and that is so important for us to go as Christians. Is that we need to learn how to empathize with other people mm-hmm. i think i think it was tolstoy that said like if you can understand anything you can forgive everything and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. someone else was elaborating on it because there are some cases well would you forgive a murderer if you can understand his but i think what he was trying to get at is that if you understand everything you can empathize with everything and um and that is so wonderful because fiction takes away foreignness and otherness because now you're able to immerse yourself in a different culture With different people, like currently, like I'm just Bethel knows this. I'm obsessed with the Russians. Like Russian literature is just I know this too. That's so that that is where I'm at in my life. (laughs) And before Russia was just this far away place, had nothing to do with me. It's just their own people doing their own thing, very removed from me. And now I'm I'm reading and I'm crying and I'm I'm learning so much and I'm just like wow. I want to visit Saint Petersburg and and meet people there and learn from them and talk to them. Um, because it, it, it just fiction allows you to to just see the humanity in everyone and to love them so deeply um and it's it's very important for christians to read fiction um non is extremely important but i think fiction just like you said grace alita just allows you to to explore a, a different kind of like um You know, I could read a textbook about Russia or St. Petersburg, but I don't think I'll have that emotional connection with the people or with the place. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll have this factual knowledge. But reading this fiction now, I am, you know, reading Dostoevsky and Tolstoy, they're just so great at allowing foreigners to come and to see this is a Russian way, this is a Russian life, and this is a Russian mind. That's like, wow, yes, it is. And I love you. I I love you all, you know, and I want to learn more about you. Yeah. Um, I agree. It's like, it goes back to that,
4: like multifaceted thing. We're multifaceted individuals. So it's like, you know, God wouldn't like expect humans to only engage with him, like with the facts, with nonfiction. We're supposed to engage with him through every avenue we can. And so I feel like what you're saying is so true and like beautiful. It's like, you know, it's a chance for us to, you know, use another part of like our minds or like our our humanity that we have to connect with god and so mm-hmm. it's like why shouldn't we take advantage of that right
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i feel like part of it is also that like we're very limited finite beings so we can only really be or experience one thing at a time mm-hmm. and so like favin was saying there's only like i'm probably never going to experience what it's like living in saint petersburg um like the like i mean maybe i'll go Study one day body. but like <laughs> it's true but like the likelihood's like probably pretty low I don't know Russian. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'd go for a visit, but it's not going to be the same as like living there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're reading like Dostoevsky, you have an understand, like you immerse yourself in that world, um, and you're able to experience things that you otherwise wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I think this reminds me of like, long story short, my mom before she was a mother was like, I do not understand why any mom would ever like hurt her child. Like I don't understand how anyone mm-hmm. could do that. And then she became a mom. And she was like, this is really hard. I understand why mothers do horrible things. Like I understand why mothers do horrible things to their kids. yeah. Okay? Because do you, do you my mother to- never did anything horrible to <laughs> me. She was wonderful. But like she finally could empathize because she was like, Wow, I'm at my wit's end and I have two little humans like needing me all the time. Um, and that's so that's an experience where like she changed her mind because she experienced having little humans who clung to her all the time and who needed her all the time and being utterly exhausted by it. Um, but she wouldn't have been able to experience that if she didn't become a mother. Right. But you can experience something similar through fiction Mm -hmm. where it's like, and even storytelling, right? Like I, I have, I'm not a mother. I don't understand what it's like to be a mother, but I can gain like empathy for what it's like to be a mother through the mothers in my life who have expressed how hard it is and have shared stories of like my mom sharing stories of like how terrible I was as a child like it gives me empathy for what she went through as a mom raising kids and in the same way like that I mean obviously stories are a form of fiction so it's a very like very similar line of like allowing you to gain an understanding you wouldn't otherwise have Mm -hmm. which is really beautiful yeah but then following that do you feel like there
4: also needs to be an openness to be willing to empathize because someone could still read a book about like you know a mother that sort of like was going through a lot and felt like pushed to the edge to like maybe harm her kids but maybe the person would still be like nah i i can't see myself doing this like do you do you think that there needs to be like that element of openness or do you think that you know a a fiction book about that can reach anybody who is like just reads it like
1: No, I I definitely say that I think there has to be an openness about it, right? Because I think this is why, um, like, it reminds me of a lot of, like, the Pharisees in the New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's this idea of, like, I think anytime there's pride of, like, no, I'm somehow less sinful than anyone else is. And I think if you come into any situation being like, "Ah, yes, I am, like, less sinful than someone else, I'd never do something like that. Um, I think it prevents you from seeing Like empathizing in that same way or seeing yourself in that situation Um, versus if you, I don't know, that's my first thought, but like versus um, if you came in with the understanding that like you could do something horrible given the circumstance because you're sinful.
2: I really like all of those points and I think we've been talking about how fiction is creating stories that can connect everyone, but I also want to bring up another quality of fiction and how it sort of withstands time and fiction is Mm. a form of creation Mm -hmm. and we can compare fiction and fact both of them always exist, we all know that 1 plus 1 equals to 2, that's a fact that has existed, but similarly with fiction and art the Mona Lisa is still admired because it's just beautiful, there's some sort of beauty inside so fiction is a form of creation. And I'm just thinking about who the first creator was, mm-hmm. and the first creator is paint God. Paint. Uh-huh. <laughs> God created the world and maybe in a sense if creation is tied to fiction, then there is that inherent value in it because, you know, God's the mm-hmm. first creator.
0: What about uh, I think I think it's good that you brought that point up, Tina, because I think a lot of the points that we had talked about beforehand were expressly tied to a sort of realistic fiction, mm. right? It's about living a non-real experience that is potential, that is possible. Mm. But there's something of like fantasy, though. Like fantasy, you're never going to see no, 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 cheap cheap. You know? No, no, no.
1: I think I think what we were saying before applies also to fantasy.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Make, make the connection.
1: Well, I mean, so I can, I can. When I'm reading fantasy, like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, I obviously don't believe that there are, like, c- what are they called? Centaurs? um yeah. In this world. But I can well, imagine the, the Romans them. Romans did, so. That's true. But I can imagine them in my mind. And I think, like, for example, it's like, I think you can learn a lot in the same, like, the same thing applies. Like, Edmund and the White Witch. We'll get into this later. Maybe I shouldn't be spoiling it. But it's like, I through reading it I learned to empathize with this one character a ton even though it's completely fantasy like the things that happened to him and that he did a lot of them are completely fictional and would never happen to me realistically but I could still put myself in that same situation and see how I'm very similar to him
3: yes exactly fantasy is part I I, I don't know this whole time I thought fantasy was part of you know, what we were talking about with fiction. Um, Even in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I'm not going to spoil anything, but C.S. Lewis just does a great job because we have this kind of conception of evil, right? But we have not seen, like, what, like, we can see evil in other people, but we don't have an image of evil itself, you know? And um, C.S. Lewis and other writers being able to include minotaurs and all these different kinds of species. And, you know, now we have this kind of, like, imagery of what evil could look like and um he's using all of these fantasy fantasy fantastical fantasy
0: Uh, fantastical fantastical Fantastical
3: characters to 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 show us how something that we believe in or something that is based in reality um well how he's using that and in fantasy that is allowing us to have a different kind of or a deeper kind of understanding of what it is like because we have we have this imagery of what evil may look like and now we have this character that is exemplifying and exuding good complete goodness even though we have not seen that with our own eyes I think it's so important that we get to be that we we get to explore that in fantasy we get to be able to maybe let's create characters that look evil or you know exemplify evilness and a character that is good and that might represent god and how we think about god um and how they interact with each other i think it's it's just very important and allows us to love god even deeply and resent evil even deeply you know
1: i think another example might be avatar the last airbender um the wonderful kids show that i watched as a kid um because like that's an incompletely made up world it's cartoons so it's not even like doesn't it's a tv show so it doesn't even look necessarily like um i mean they obviously look like humans but they don't like they're cartoons they're, they're clearly animated um and so there's this despite all of that despite them having magical powers i guess it's not really magical power but like having earth bending and air bending and water bending and fire bending it's like things that i could never do um i think there's an element of which this physical display of power taught me as a child a lot about, like, a desire for non-physical power, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't have... I, I will never have the ability to firebend or earthbend or waterbend Maybe. or airbend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that I desired those things taught me a lot about my desire for power. Mm-hmm. And so I could see myself yeah. in certain characters who were clearly desiring to be better airbenders or actually in this case, it was a better firebender. So they could like take down the other nations, right? I could see that and be like, wow, my desire to have powers like that. Like, reflects in, like, I can see that reflected in them and them desiring to have a greater power. And so that physical display made it easier for me to process my internal desire for an un, like, a less, a non physical power, if that makes sense. Yeah. What I'm getting
0: out of this is extrapolation and distillation, right? It takes. Can I
1: mention Vampire Diaries real quick? (laughs) Go
0: ahead.
1: Yes. (laughs) Okay. So,
4: like, for me, similar to what Gracelita just said, when I watch Vampire Diaries, it's like, I can see like their thirst for blood makes them like just do things that it's like they look back and they regret it like you see sometimes like when like you know like Damon or like Caroline has like done something like murdered like a lot of people and then they look and they're like oh my gosh you know and then it makes me just realize like you know sometimes humans it's just like we're in circumstances and then we do stuff and it's like we do feel bad and it's like people make mistakes and all that kind of stuff so yeah just going back to Fabian and Grace Alita's points I feel like um to answer your question tim fantasy is like to me based on humanity still because i feel like we can only pull even imagine from what like we are from what we have and so i think even when you see like in vampire diaries where it's like they switch off their emotions and they're like i'm just gonna like you know turn it off because i can't deal with like having to feel bad and feel so much regret as christians or even as people sometimes we get to that point where we're like you know, it's too much. I'd rather just like turn it off and focus on chasing money and all that stuff. And so I feel like it's all related somehow.
3: That reminds me of... You, you can correct me if anyone knows, but I think David Hume was talking about how all of these ideas, strange ideas that we have really just come from reality. Mm-hmm. Like if we have like a strange bird and like we have, we add a tail to it and all of these things is because we've actually seen that in real life. And so I think oh, fantasy- yeah, the
1: idea of us not being able to conceive of things that we can't,
3: yeah. like we haven't experienced. It, it's a very, to- it, yes. it
0: seems like a very naturalistic thing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly something I've thought about before. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes from Hume. It sounds very, very, <laughs> very much like Hume. David Hume. Yeah. But I mean, just to summarize that point, it seems like a, to me, as I said, extrapolation and distillation. You're taking a, a grand theme or a grand principle that manifests in the real world, and you're taking it and you're you're extrapolating that principle, mm-hmm. and you're distilling. You're distilling it into kind of the I don't want to be like philosophical here but like the but being of that principle and then you're inserting it into another situation where you can analyze it mm-hmm. from a different perspective and then as a reader you do the same process in reverse you extrapolate the principle from the fantasy mm-hmm. and then you distill it of the fantastical elements yes and then you reinsert it back into reality and you're able you're able to understand this aspect of reality from what you've extrapolated and distilled in fantasy.
3: Well said, C. Si. <laughs> All
0: right, this si, is C Senor. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Correcto
1: a
3: mundo.
0: great conversation, I must say.
1: It has. I think this was a great first one. It sets a high standard.
0: It does. I hope we have enough from C.S. Lewis to uh, keep us going
1: given that we talked for that long on two questions i think we're i think we're set
0: all right
2: and i think our entire argument is sort of about how fiction can lead to so many different possibilities Mm.
1: exactly we can take one scenario and just apply it to our lives be like some free peer counseling (laughs)
2: that is the other thing about fiction it's not like fact that stays the same but fiction it adapts to the current situation Mm -hmm. and that's what we do in Lit Hum when we read those classics it's like how is our reading of this different from how everyone before us read it Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. fiction breaks barriers (laughs) yes it does but Um, it's our quote for
4: the social media (laughs) (laughs) or friend stuff
0: Grace Alita do you want to wrap us up
1: yes i can um so thank you guys for tuning in this week this was a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed hearing all the wonderful new voices the three new voices so good uh maybe one day in the future hopefully one day in the future we'll add a fourth named bethel <laughs> a um oh, no. but otherwise he's and, just been chillaxing here and
0: hopefully one day you as a listener will want to join the podcast yeah as well. if you
1: want to join the podcast team you want to know what our email is mm-hmm please send us an email it is witness the good fight at gmail.com should it be that you don't like email but you still want to join our team or you just want to say hi you can also reach out to us on our instagram and mm-hmm. facebook at the good fight pod um and we don't have our twitter anymore so that's the end of that Rip. But um, twitter is toxic anyways so you don't need it <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: wow I, I should have uh, talked to you before i made that twitter account <laughs> We should get WeChat. Don't worry.
2: We
1: we went back away from our sinful sinful tendencies. (laughs) We removed ourselves from Twitter. Yeah. Naturally. In case anyone was wondering, we're not perfect, but we're working on it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. See you all next week. See ya. Bye.
0: And, no, we're not done yet. We're almost done. Uh, If you want to read along with us, which you should, uh, grab the old dusty copy of the lion the witch in the wardrobe off of your children's bookshelf and read along with us um i have no idea how much we'll read we'll probably post on social media uh this week how much we're planning on reading for next week but yes please read along with us and enjoy our conversations until next time bye goodbye, goodbye. farewell mm